Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Lady Chow Fung, and we're going to talk about Buddha's Palm, a 1982 Taylor Wong film starring Derek Yi, Candice Yu, Kara Hui, and Lolier. In this film, conflict and past romances come to a head 20 years after the Battle of Tian Shan. Jian Fei, Yu Zhuan, and Yu Hua team up while healing their masters and then face the terrifying Heavenly Foot. So that's a very simple explanation of the plot, but the plot is obviously much more complicated than that. Um, so I guess uh, before we even get into sort of the details of this movie, uh, Lady Chaofeng, what was your reaction to this film? I like this film. I think it's kind of funny and silly, and um, it's a good kind of like parody, as we were talking about before, of wuxia movies. Um, I liked it. it. I guess it's not for everybody. Um, with the fantasy part, but um, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a good little pick-me-up kind of flick. Yeah, this this is definitely one, like, a lot of these movies in the 80s, they definitely start getting into this more fantastic wuxia ground, and this is certainly there. And it's at times even goofy in the way it does it. There's a, um, there's a monster in it uh, called Damung, who is, he looks like something out of the Jim Henson workshop. And, and so, you know, there's a, and there's, uh, you know, swords that at one point, the, the green dagger in it, uh, behaves a little bit like a lightsaber. Lightsaber. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of like special effects and things like that. And it re it's really a lot different than say the, a lot of the stuff that was in the, in the Shaw brothers, uh, you know, late sixties and through the mid seventies. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a wildly sort of fun and entertaining movie and, uh, uh. I don't know. It, it's just one of these kinds of films where uh, it doesn't take itself too seriously, and like like you were saying, it's sort of it's like a very self aware wuxia film, and so um, it really kind of uh, you know it, it's easy to to watch this movie and and almost make fun of it, but the film itself is I think in on the joke. So you know the the, the movie many times throughout. It sort of comments on things in the wuxia genre that, the, you know, and, and sort of makes fun of the characters for not picking up on, you know, sort of like an obvious trope from uh, from wuxia. So like there's a, uh, you know, early on, one of the masters is betrayed by his students and the narrator, you know, says, well, if, if you know, if, you know, clearly he hasn't read many wuxia stories because if he did, he would have, you know, it's it. There's a lot exactly. of moments like that. Um, yeah, it definitely wants you to laugh along with it and laugh at it. And uh, and yeah, there's even a moment where uh, uh, the where Jian Fei sort of by coincidence runs into the two female protagonists, and and the narrator's like, "Oh, what a coincidence! It must be fate." And if you've seen a lot of wuxia, you know characters like all the time they're in the right place at the right time in order for the plot to get to where it needs to go, even if it's really straining the you know uh plausibility uh so you know i just feel like there's this constant commentary on the on the part of the narrator um so i don't know what, what were some of your favorite parts of the film well let's talk about costumes <laughs> okay i think that's a good place to start what did you think of the costumes here i thought the costumes were great uh -huh. i'm kind of elaborate and um, I don't know. I think my favorite costume, well, the one that re that I remember the most is Lo Lies, um 
costume his green it's green and black and it's it's kind of hard to describe in that it's not all solid green and solid black like what you would think it's kind of like um one side of the jacket is um green and it's like got a pattern of black and white in it it, it's kind of hard to describe, but it reminded me of um, the cartoon character Two-Face, how it was kind of like two suits, two different suits, but the same suit, mm-hmm. but in two different colors. So that got me kind of thinking on the um, whole cartoonish kind of tip was that the suit just, I don't know, it just reminded me kind of, of Joker-ish kind of wear but in a two-face pattern where it's half one and half the other it's i don't know that's the best way i can describe it you have to see it to understand like the lapels are really big and um i think it's funny that he just announces himself everywhere he goes that's like the hysterical part to me yeah but his custom was great yeah so in terms of the costuming i agree the costuming this is that kind of sort of I don't know how you would call it. It's almost got like a, there's almost a vague disco vibe going on in some of the costuming. There's a lot of LeMay. Yeah, there's a lot of LeMay. And and so you get that effect. And I know a lot of people don't like that. Like I've heard a lot of people complain about it. I really like that. I I think it, I think it, I think it, aesthetically, it's, I just find it pleasing. And, and I, and I sort of see it as sort of like a, a predecessor to a lot of the, the stuff that you see later on with movies like Hero and things like that, where there's all these really stark use of colors. But, um, but yeah, so I, I thought the costumes were great. And, and again, it's, a, I think it's an example of how the costuming really, you know, Lolier's character is wonderful. And, uh, I, I, I think that it's, it's maybe one of Lolier's funniest roles, just the, in terms of the physical comedy he's doing, not even the stuff, like there's a lot of other stuff too, like the announcing himself, which when that first happened, I thought that somebody was announcing him when I first saw this movie. Like I thought there was some guy announcing every time he came and the narrator. That's who I thought it was. I thought he had a servant that we just didn't see. And then I realized, no, it's him. He's announcing himself for some reason. And he's doing it this really traumatic way. Um, But also just sort of the physical comedy. Like there was a scene where he's taking that golden egg and just the look on his face as he's trying to grab it from Gian Fay. Uh, I don't know, I thought it really worked, but his costume, like right down to like the little wisps of of sideburn that he, had. I don't even know what uh-huh. they were. They, they 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 fall down by the side of his head like tassels. Um, it was it was a really sort of perfect uh, uh, costuming, and that and for all the other characters too, like the you know the the, the these were flamboyant costumes. I would say for the most part, they really kind Definitely. of stand out. Yeah, and I thought um, his. The two suit kind of thing kind of worked well with his character because his character is really two sided. He's really silly and um, cartoonish in a way, but then he's really skillful in the martial arts, which his buffoonery, I really think, hides his skillfulness and he's very wise. Yeah as a character. So, I mean, I guess you could take the suit, his two-tone suit as being the two sides of his character in a way. 
I, that would make sense. I, I, I'm, I'm actually trying to remember the exact shape of the suit. I was trying to Google some images of it so I could keep up with you in the conversation on it, but I couldn't find them. But I remember it being very green. That's I remember the green. Yeah, it was sort of green and black and white. Okay. But it kind. So yeah. But uh, but yeah, I thought I thought that yeah, I do think he had two sides to him like that because he was sort of like uh pretending to be the fool sometimes mm -hmm. and it was funny but he could all like he definitely could back it up with some serious martial arts and uh his his character too uh he i don't know he he was uh, like he had this one moment where he's t trying to convince gian fei to become his student and he, mm -hmm. and he has this ridiculous line of conversation where he's like we resemble each other so much and he's like, no, we look nothing alike. And he's like, no, we both have a nose. We both those have eyes. Two eyes. Yeah. But everybody has those. <laughs> so Yeah, I thought um, his character was really great. I had a thought for a moment. I can't remember what it is. Uh, That's okay. That happens to me all the time in these discussions. <laughs> uh, I usually try to type them down really quickly and then remember them. But inevitably, I forget. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, so I don't oh, know. Oh, his lateness. I wanted to say something about um, Lolier's um, lateness. He was always late to everything until like the very final scene where he was actually on time. It's kind of like his lateness protects him in a way from mishaps and things that could probably happen. Because he's probably showing up after everybody's dead all the time. Like, uh, you know, he. He, he, he's arriving after the conflicts have, uh, have arisen. Um, like at the battle, he said he, w he would have been the fifth power, but he was late to yeah. the battle. <laughs> and that reminded me, I mean, again, I don't know what the source material for this movie is, but it, but the, there was this great battle at Mount Tian Shan. It kind of reminded me of sort of, uh, you know, in Legend of Condor here, you have this big battle. And so it's like these like these epic battles that you know happened in the past. Um, and, uh, and so... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, it's also uh, in terms of the other characters. Like, what did you think of? Um, uh, oh, what was her name? Uh, uh, Flying Loop, I think, was the the name of the character. The the she was sort of the the more vicious of the two uh, the two female uh, masters in the film. Um, oh, I liked her. I liked her. Um... Her little banter with um, Lolier's character, what's his name, Bai Gu. I think it's, yeah, Bai Gu, Some... I think his name was. But when he announces himself, it sounds nothing like Bai Gu, so I don't know. No. I was wondering about that. But go on. Um, I like their little banter that they had going back and forth when he arrives to try and save his student. And um, I can't remember the lines. I should have wrote them down. But they were just going back and forth, and her look on her face, you could tell she was being so sarcastic <laughs> during this whole banter. And he's not even being serious, as always. He's yeah. being really playful with it. But I liked their interaction with each other. I thought that was cute. Yeah, that was a, I thought that was a very charming exchange between them. And I like the, the scene where she, she sends Gian Fei down into that, that, that shaft with the spikes and the, the chili oh, yeah. wind poison. Um, so the background of this, so basically 
Gian Fey's master has been blinded by these uh, these uh, this during this great battle that he had with these other masters. But something happened to um, Flying Bell's face during the conflict, and it's a little unclear exactly what it is because she's got Not some sort of Bell. Um, I'm, oh, loop sorry, lady. Uh, yeah, Flying Loop. Sorry, Flying Loop. Uh, what's her name? Flying Loop. Sun uh, Bai Ling. Sun Bai Ling. Um, so I don't know exactly what it was. She had some kind of weird. It almost looked like one of those facial masks uh, over her face, but I think that was just covering whatever was going on underneath. And uh, and so she sends her students out to go retrieve uh, this golden egg, and Jian Fei, against his master's wishes, goes to get this golden egg in, in, in order to... Um, uh, uh, to save his blindness, he gets the egg. He get he makes his master no longer blind. But then the two girls, in order to 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 help uh, Flying Loop, uh, they go look for the what was it called? The chrysanthemum. The um, from the uh, oh the orchid. The orchid with the, yeah, the thousand orchid. diamonds um, from Dark Moon Clan. So they go to they go to retrieve that, and we'll get into all of that stuff because there was a lot going on there, and I want to get back to it. But then they uh, Jian Fei shows up helps them get it and brings it to the lady. And then she realizes that he's the student of the guy who scarred her face. And so she sends him down this great shaft and he gets poisoned and almost killed by spikes. And, uh, and so that, that really elaborate trap I thought was, you know, that was, she, she planned, she, she, that takes a great deal of forethought, a, a trap like that. Um, oh yeah, she pointed him directly to the right seat to sit in, so that he would be trapped. Um, um, a clasp comes and wraps around his neck and then around his wrists, and so he's trapped in this chair. And then he, he goes down the shaft with all these um, spikes and everything. It's really cool. It's like House of Trappish kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's what I was thinking was House of Traps. It has that real sort of, uh, you know, just just elaborate mechanism going on. Um, and somehow Jian Fei manages, I think the, da- I think the golden dragon dagger is what ends up saving him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then on his way out, uh, you know, he, he gives his, I think he gives his cape or, uh, Yuzhuan takes his cape, but she ends up running across the bridge with his cape and, uh, Sun Bai Ling mistakes her for him. And, uh, she sends like a ritual vessel at her and knocks her into the cliff. And then that gets to the scene that you were talking about where, uh, where they have this little um, yeah. this banter going back and forth about how kind of wonderful each one of them is and really isn't and how it's just charming between the two of them. It's pretty funny. Their facial expressions and the words that are coming out of their mouth. You can tell that neither one is sincere about anything that they're saying. Yeah, no, and... and uh... And also the um, uh, another scene that I like too is the the massacre scene um, at uh, was it Twilight Mist Village? Do I have that right? Yes. Um, they, you know they uh, and there's a lot of backstory there, but but basically uh, one one of the bad guys, you know, slaughters everybody at, at Twilight Mist Village, killing Jian Fei's former lover, who the bad guy stole from him in the first place. And then blames the whole thing on Jian Fei. And then the eight clans all show up. And then, you know, led by Sun Bai Ling. And they are, you know, basically demanding that he confess to what he's done. And, um, and uh, uh, Flaming Devil arrives and 
And, and then they all get scared. Yeah. And one by one, they all leave. One of them says, oh, I think I got to go um, guard the North Gate. And then another one says, I got to go guard the South Gate. Then another one says, I got to guard the East Gate. And then two of them are left and they're like, well, where should we go? <laughs> What, what I loved about it, too, was the casting of the eight clan leaders because they looked like they were actors who you would normally see, I think, in roles like waiter or, uh, you know, old man number two. Like like they were not they looked more like nursing Typical home people. residents than like leaders of the martial world. Do you know what I mean? They just like like you often have very aged uh, leaders in the martial world, but they usually stand upright and be like very, you know, but these people were all kind of hunched and and they didn't look very strong and powerful in the way they carried themselves. They were very elderly and very like a strong wind would have blown half of them <laughs> yeah. over. You know, they're just not what you would think of as a reputable clan leader with a lot of power and strength at all. And um, they pretty much were all deformed or hurt by um, the old devil. So when he shows up, they want no parts of the whole situation. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so I thought I thought that was funny, too. Though. They're like, oh, no, I'm going to go guard this wall and I'm going to go here. And, they, you know, and uh, it, it was it was uh, I, I thought it was really funny. And then and then that gets us into the again, this really weird situation where like uh uh, flaming cloud devil is like okay i'm going to investigate everything and then everybody's like okay we're all getting along you know putting aside our past grievances and in the middle of the night um uh flying loop is assassinated with the silver comb what is it called the silver thundering comb or something yes um, thunderbolt silver comb that's it uh which belongs to holy fragrance cult and so then so then there's this whole situation where they have to you know figure out you know who killed her and so they they divide up into two teams essentially and uh flaming cloud devil goes with uh yuzhuan to um i think to go deal with heavenly foot and um and jian fei and yu hua go to in investigate the holy fragrant cult and that's kind of where we get to the the climax of the movie too and but, um baigu is supposed to stay at um at where they were meeting at uh flying loops place and uh take care of things and he's starting an investigation there so then he ends up where everybody else ends up eventually well what's funny about that is number one he in the conversation that you were talking about between them he mentions oh you know like i'm gonna read you your last rights or something and then uh -huh. he's like ah, i told you i was gonna read you your last rights and uh um and so, and so, yeah, and, and it's funny, too, because when he does show up at the next scene, I think it's the final time he shows up, and he actually sounds tired that time. Like, he, he's announcing himself, but he sounds winded. And, uh, um, and, and again, we're going to get into spoilers here, I think. But, but I found that, uh, you know, in the, in the big battle that does sort of ensue, it's like a 20-minute sprawling battle where there's, you know, all these things that you learn about the, the past history of the characters, and there's some surprises in there. Um, he ends up getting crushed by the the celestial foot or the heavenly foot, and uh, okay, we got to talk about the heavenly foot because that is one I laughed every time it happened. Okay, just because it's <laughs> it's just really weird. He his his leg can if you know Rubber Man from like the sixties and seventies. Mm -hmm. If you had one of those then you understand Heavenly Foot. His leg can extend as far as he wants it and stomp on people and pretty much kill them that way. 
And I, every time I saw it, it was just so funny. No, it was. And I think the cool thing, too, is that I think the backstory is uh, a Flaming Cloud Devil broke one of his legs. And so yes. he, he, it was like almost like because of that, he... He, he learned this technique for the other leg that becomes this dominant force in the martial world. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, it's a very unusual, it looks almost like an, unco- an accordion coming out. Like it's like a very sort of stretchy and, and there's a, a lot of illumination over, you know, like there's a lot of like scintillating light sort of following his leg. And uh, it's a, it's an unusual thing. And, uh, you know, it's something I, I you know, like uh you see it in other movies after this too. There's definitely movies that sort of reference it, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a crazy technique and it's part of what it's part of what it's like. It's one of the thing you know, one of the things that makes this movie so great, you know, you, it, you, you sort of have like, you know, the Buddha palm and the thunder, the, the, the heaven foot and all, all these, all these really over the top, almost magical. Like it almost gets into the realm of magic. The uh, the stuff going on in this movie, it um, does not get into the realm of magic. It is magic. I, I mean, there's no. I don't see anything that would that blurs I, the line. I think the, it's still firmly rooted in the whole chi based energy attack thing. So it's still kind of like it's still, you know, it's it's still explicable in some way within the within the within the rules set by the genre. Okay, but, if you but say I, so. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm stretching. Maybe I'm stretching. You know, the, the egg I'd have a much harder time explaining. The egg and its ability to to miraculously heal people and bring back eyes that were dead for ten years. What um, was the thing that was inside the little light that came I have out? No I don't, some idea. kind of organism or whatever. But once um, Yang Feg caught it, he slapped it into his master's one eye and. That eye became healed, but the other eye um, wasn't healed. So, you know, he wore an eye patch for the rest of the movie. But, I mean, that was that was kind of strange. But And um, Demong, the, the Muppet-type character, I liked him. He was, I thought he was adorable. But he's like a cross between a dragon and a lion, I guess you would say. I think he's supposed to be, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. He's supposed to be a Bixie or something like that. Um, I don't know what that is. Um, well, we'll, we can post a link at the podcast below, but it's, it's like some kind of mythical creature that I think is, is sort of like that. Um, and I'm not a hundred, I, I don't know exactly what kind of animal he's supposed to be, but, um, but to me, he looks almost like a cross between a Snuffleupagus and, um, and like a, you know, some kind of Chinese mythical beast. Um, but yeah, I like, I like that. I, I mean, I said it, it looks like Jim Henson, but I think it's in a good way. There's a lot. And I know we were going to talk about the climax. We can get to that, but I think maybe we should stop and talk about the sort of star Wars, Jim Henson thing that is clearly going on in this movie. Because, oh yeah, definitely. Because um, the, even the sets, even the sets look like they're pulled right out of Dagobah from empire strikes back. Like there is a, I feel like this is I feel like somebody saw Star Wars before this movie was made. I wouldn't be surprised because they're always pulling something from movies that they saw. I mean the lightsaber, the the green dragon saber that he gets when he um discovers the egg definitely was a lightsaber 
um, it, it was takeoff. I mean, you cannot deny that because as soon as he pulled it out of its sheath, it even made the lightsaber sound. Yes. Well, here, so there's no denying that one. Here's what's re- I was really thinking about that all night because number one, it's a green lightsaber, and we don't see green, I think, until Return of the Jedi. Maybe people that know the movies better than me, maybe there's another one that appears earlier, but I'm pretty sure there's no green lightsabers until Return of the Jedi, right? And then. And that's I'm a year not sure after this... about that, but maybe they didn't want to do the same colors that were already used in the previous ones so that people wouldn't connect them so much. That could be. And then they use green, and then lo and behold, Return of the Jedi has yeah, green. Yeah, so, because this was 82, Return of the Jedi was a year later. But the other thing about it is, it does that. The first time he takes it out, it's clearly like a lightsaber. And and the properties he has, he says it'll destroy anything. And it acts like a lightsaber. And it sounds like one. And then the next time he pulls it out, it does the same thing. But then it just looks like a green glowing, like a glow stick after about five minutes. And so I'm wondering, is is that just what happens to it over time? Or was it just like, well... The budget, we don't want to be making these, this lightsaber effect the whole battle, so we're just going to replace it with a glow stick. Um, I mean, it doesn't look like a glow stick, but it's got like a, a glow, a day glow kind of thing going on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. But yeah, the, I think that was clearly taken from the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. There's no denying that one. Okay, yeah. And, and I think even the look of like, the master's layer and, and just, you know, just felt, it felt very, it was good. It worked really well because they had a lot of atmosphere, but it felt like a lot of the stuff that you would see in the star Wars movies. Um, so, so yeah, but, but definitely, I think it was called the, the golden dragon dagger. Um, but, uh, but I guess going back to the climax, I thought that, um, uh, I don't know. What did you think of that? Because it's sort of like an extended series of fights that all just follow each other and lead to, you know, revelations and things like this. Um, you know, what, what did you think of the climax of the film? I had a question after the movie ended. And you know how I hate having questions unanswered at the end of movies. But um, for the most part, I enjoyed how the film wraps up. I enjoyed the fighting sequences at the end and all the little mysteries that came out. I still think that they should have developed a different storyline somewhere. The um, One of the key points that people keep mentioning in the movie is how, um, what's her name? Young Faye's first girlfriend looks exactly like his new girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I think there should have been some kind of plot twist in there where she was the third sister of, um, she was the twin sister of the former girlfriend, uh, former girlfriend, and they had been split up at birth, and um, she was raised to be this other girl's sister. I don't know. That was it's, me. It seemed. Like, I thought it was going that way. It seemed like it was leaning that way. I think. I feel like it was like maybe a red herring. Like they were sort of saying this is because stuff like that happens all the time, and then they sort of pull a sly one on you, and it's the little dragon girl that is the um, 
has the secret ancestry that she doesn't know about. Um, and so, so, but I don't know. It's also possible, I suppose, because we're going off of dubs and subs here that maybe there was that and it just was not in the, the version we saw. But as far as I know, it's not in there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I This is not a good movie for people that uh, that hate having questions at the end of the film because I feel like you are bound to have some questions after you see this movie. It is it is just inevitable. Because um, there's a lot of stuff that happens and maybe isn't thoroughly explained in the moment. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe 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 they maybe they could have done a part two where where they picked up on that on that thread. Um, but uh, or we could have found out what happened to. Um, like the baby that's left at the end, I guess the two raise it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm that is kind of unclear. Like we don't know what happens after the. We don't even know really if like he and she become a couple. I mean, we assume they do because they clearly have, you know, some kind of feeling for each other. But it's not really. It's not really. In fact, the film ends in a weird way. It ends with um, Demeng, like basically. Uh, Hev- Heavenly Foot is rolling on the ground in pain after he's defeated, and Demung just kind of, you know, starts toying with him, and they're like, "Oh, Demung!" and and then the, the and he rips off the old man's uh, pants. pants and he runs away naked. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's like usually they don't let their um their enemy get away alive. So I wouldn't let that guy get away alive, not after all the stuff he's been pulling. That would no, be, exactly. He's like a very dangerous person to let roam the martial world, but uh, he heals up and they're back at it again. And that would have made a great, I guess, sequel to this is if he did heal up and start trouble all over again. And then this baby that this couple has raised kind of comes back and helps his parents take revenge for killing the grandparents. I don't know. Well, maybe maybe it's possible that he depleted all of his abilities when they because the girl used that dagger on his foot at the instruction mm-hmm. of um flaming cloud devil so maybe uh at, you know while they were using the buddha palm on him so maybe that caused him to lose all of his powers and and they were just because they were clearly not afraid of him when uh when the moon was playing with them but uh but i don't know yeah i i i would i would have just want that wanted that guy to be dead after after everything he had done um and uh, and not not to mention he he, he uh well, well well let's get into this a little bit. What did you think of the the romantic backstory between uh, Flaming Cloud Devil and Flying Bell uh, that we sort of learn about over the course of the movie? I'm, I'm was Flying Bell. I'm assuming was one of the ones that was fighting in the battle that led to all that. And he was blinded and then she took care of him. Yeah, I believe so. I could be wrong. That's what I, that's what, because that's the kind of confusion that I had because I didn't understand why he kicked her out after he found out who she was. He thought she was going to kill him. He thought that she was going to, so, okay. Now, maybe I have the name wrong. She's also called Li Piao Piao. Lu Piao Piao is uh, the other name that she goes by in it. Um, right. So I'm assuming that she 
was at the great battle. And so they're all battling each other and he ends up blinded, but then she follows him and nurses him and they fall in love. And, um, he kicks her out, but when he kicks her out, he doesn't know that she's pregnant. And so he doesn't even know that he has a child, but then was it heavenly foot that, um, threatens her and the baby and ends up taking the baby and raises the baby as his daughter. And we find out that, uh, flaming devil, uh, was had some kind of poison in him, and so does the daughter. Be, I guess because the father had it in him, the daughter had it too, so that when he played the drums, because he was like a maniac on the drums, Heavenly Foot, and when he played the drums, he was able to control the daughter and it basically torture her. Yeah, and he, had then, a, he had a centipede that he put in her. That um, Right that when he played those drums, it would like rack her body with pain and he used it to control her. And the mother ended up taking it into herself. Flying bells took it. And then when the drum exploded, she, she died. So, um, so did old flaming devil also have the centipede in him too, because he had the same reaction that the daughter did. I don't think so. Cause I think he would have died too, if that were the case, because, uh, I think I, maybe maybe something happened to him in that fight. That's a detail that I didn't actually notice, so I, I'll have to pay attention next time. Um, because there's a scene near the end where um, he's playing the drums and uh, Old Flaming Devil has the same reaction. And actually, they're both having the reaction at the same time. They're just, I think, in two different rooms, but close to where Heavenly Foot is playing the drums. So they're kind of having the same reaction I'll, to the. I'll have to pay more attention on a rewatch of it because I don't remember that detail enough to really say, you know, to, For sure. to comment. Yeah. But I do remember she had the centipede in her and, uh, and the mother took it. And when the drum blew, the mother, like something went wrong with the mom. And so, um, so yeah, so, so, um, but uh, I thought those details were really mind blowing for me because that wasn't where I was expecting the story to go. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I was expecting the the twist to be the twins and and all that. But uh, so I thought it was a good twist. Kept well, me I, guessing the whole movie. What I liked about it was Flying Bells comes to help him after the fight, and so I'm wondering, you know, at what point did she did she fall in love with him? Do, do you know what I mean? Um, that's, that's what I was, uh, because did it happen during the fight? Did she just feel bad at what they had done and then gone to help him because she didn't want him to die? Had she been in love with him the whole time, but she was afraid of heaven? You know, I was wondering what the backstory was there. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I thought, but it was we clearly, inter- oh, go but ahead. we clearly, we clearly know that he falls in love with her being nursed back to health. That's what I think. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. And I thought I thought it gave his character a little bit more dimension when we see him kicking her out, and then he kind of like sticks it. He says, "I think he had a staff or something." He sticks it in the ground and he screams. And you know, it's one of these like Rusha, like you know, I'm venting my emotions scream. But uh, it, it 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 just 
I don't know, it rounded out his personality really well. Because he's a very, if, if you pay attention to his character over the course of the whole movie, he changes so much. Like, he starts out as, like, you know, the, the disciple of, of the monk and learns the Buddha palm. And he just, he, he, he transforms into, you know, this really larger than life, almost villainous looking uh, mm-hmm. martial master. And so, um, you know, he, he, you know, he's, he's a character that would be very at home in like Condor Heroes. You know, he just sort of, you know, has that sort of uh, Ooyang Fung vibe to him. Or not, uh, or uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, Golden Mane Lion King, like that kind of a character. He just has this, uh, uh, th- this uh, sort of dark energy. Uh, but um, but yeah, I, I I liked the I liked that part of the story, and I liked how it you know, uh, we had the reveal about the daughter at the end. Uh, you know, again, I think it's sort of playing with the genre where like they they pack a lot of plot twists in very short increments. Uh, mm-hmm. Often when like action is occurring, and so you have like these lines of explanation. Um, but for me, it worked. What did you think of the? Uh, the fight with the I think they called them the dragon tumor duo the uh oh my god that was I don't know my I think my mouth was open like half of the battle <laughs> just because the pus that came out of the um the pimple the pimple was huge it was like half the I think it was the a guy's tumor. Face. Yeah, it was... well, whatever. It was just like half his face, and he's squeezing it and pointing it, and she's barely missing, being missing the um, acid. But then it lands on um, other people, and they're like decaying like very quickly before your mm. eyes. That was kind of gross, but it was just like, oh, that's something I've never seen before. <laughs> Yeah, was... And just the fact that they fought together, like one, the little one got on the big one's uh, shoulders at first, and then he was able to swing him around, and the big one was able, she stuck him with the sword, but it didn't go through, it bent it. I was just, that was strange. Yeah, <laughs> But I, it I was thought... interesting. I, it was a very gruesome scene, because you see all the people's faces melting, you see uh, the the pimple slash tumor with the acidic pus and they're squeezing it and and then and then somebody's head explodes from the buddha palm so there's, oh, yeah. oh. there's like there's just so much stuff going on there um but it was a really interesting duo you know like the idea there's like this tall goofy guy that the shorter kid with white hair i don't know if he was a kid or if he was just like a a little person but he had the uh, like he, he had like a, I think he had a white hair and a silver band and the, and the tumor on his face. He, it was, and so he would leap on the guy's shoulders and then fire the acidic pus at people. And it was, it was really unusual. Um, it was very, very different. And I'm, I thought that they were, um, pretty interesting. I, I was, it was like a giant and a little person. I didn't even think it was a kid. I just thought it was a little person. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was very interesting. And uh, and I guess some of the other things in there, the uh, uh, the scene in uh, Dark Moon Cult where they're getting the orchid with a thousand diamonds, that that was uh, there were these weird silver Buddhas that were like flat on the ground that would rise up and just attack them. 
Yeah, I thought at first when the first one came out, I don't know why I thought it was like an ice sculpture. Mm. Well, there and was a then, fountain. Um, and then it was like foil, tin foil Buddhas attacking them. That was pretty strange too. It was like kind of being on a psychedelic trip, I guess. Well, and it's funny too because a lot of movies from this era have that kind of guardian in it. Like the Holy Flames of the Martial World had something kind of similar with the the characters that were attacking people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it, it's very yeah. I agree. It's very psych. The whole movie has a very psychedelic. I think the Gold Lemay, the the sort of foil effects and the the, the sort of I don't know what you would call it, but like the. Uh, there's like a lot of glitter, I think, or a lot of glitter-like effects throughout the movie, like uh, like a lot of reflected light that mm-hmm. seems to have different colors to it. And uh, it's I don't know. It's, again, to me, this movie has it's got like 10% disco going on in it. There's like a there's a hue of disco running through the film. Um, I think there's a little bit more than 10%. But I, I would say you, yeah, I, I might be being very <laughs> uh, modest in my my estimate here. <laughs> you know, you might you might go higher. Maybe forty or fifty percent, um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I like it. I like it. It's 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 about as far from his. I mean, they do say it's. I think it's set like roughly in the Song Dynasty, but it it feels about as far from sort of like historical reality or you know uh, just realism in terms of you know the look and feel of the movie. But it gets this heightened reality going that that sort of pulls you in. It's like you're in like a dreamland almost, you know, there's like a, it's kind of like, I don't know. I keep getting death duel, but on acid. Yeah. Yeah. There kind is. Of thing. Well, there's definitely, yeah. Cause I mean, Cho Yuen does that. Cho Yuen sort of has these, he builds a world with the sets and it feels like an imaginary place you can go to. And I feel like that's kind of at work here, but you know, Cho Yuen, is a lot more conservative, I think, in his um, in his visuals, and and this is this is like a you know this seems drug infused in a way, um, you know there's there's just a and and a lot of it might just be sort of the unleashing of a variety of new special effects that weren't really available before because you have these rotoscoped, uh, I think they're rotoscoped um, uh, projections of not projections but rotoscoped energy beams that are being used here and you know and and so i i think they're making good use of that kind of stuff and that and that kind of goes together with all the other things that we're talking about visually so you know it it, it might just be a product of it this is like the tron era of um uh of, of <laughs> movies you know uh so people are experimenting and it's it's the era that brings us movies like you know zoo mountain and stuff like that where there's a real departure from the the much more uh i would say grounded wuxia of the 70s where you know you know the swords feel really sort of like real swords digging into real flesh and this this feels there's a little bit more of a magic carpet thing going on in in movies like this yeah definitely it's um if you're expecting something like a sentimental swordsman you're not going to get that. It's definitely on the total opposite end of the spectrum than something that that's that classic, that true to the genre, that grounded in the genre. This is almost over the top, 
but not quite. Um, I do like the special effects, though, like the shooting out of the palms and the palms come out and there were some flying daggers that were shot out. And I think it was pretty neat. I like the, when people try to experiment with something new and to use it. I mean, it would be cheesy by, I guess, today's standards. But back then when it was first coming out. It was yeah. appropriately used. Well, especially if you're familiar with the kinds of effects they were using in order to get, like when they were trying to show chi blasts before, they would do the thing where they would have like a, I don't know what it was, but it would be like a canister or a tube that fired out some kind of, uh, some kind of misty spray. And, and uh, you know, like you see it in movies, like come drink with me and stuff. Um, and, and it works, but it's not as, it's not as, uh, clearly delineated as these effects are so that you, you absolutely know what they're trying to do, even if it still looks a little bit sort of hokey by, by today's standards, cause we're so used to CG, but, uh, and also the soundtrack doesn't, it doesn't help that the soundtrack has sort of a pinball effect. You know what I mean? There's like a, there's like, it occasionally gets into this we and they did the same. I think it's, it's either the same soundtrack from, Holy Flame of the Martial World, or or very similar, or very similar. I don't, I don't know. But, they stole uh, some material from there for sure, yeah, or they it crossed over somehow. But uh, but it feels, you know, it it, it it gives it a lighter sort of goofier feel uh, at times. Um, but I thought I thought this did a better job than Holy Flame of the Martial World when it did employ that because at least it tended to consistently use that over narration. And so it like signified something. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't just kind of there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Did you have any other thoughts on the movie before we, before we head out? No, I thought it was a great movie. It was um, fun and silly. And um, if you're looking for something serious, don't, don't watch this one. Um, this is definitely a lift your spirit Spirits kind of off the wall kind of movie. I liked it. Yeah, and I and I would agree. I think, um, and I think it's e- we didn't even talk about it because it's easy to overlook. But the fight sequences were pretty cool too. Like, there's like a lot of cool fight scenes in this movie, but uh, it's so easy to like not even really pay attention to that because there's so much Gonzo stuff getting thrown around. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a it's a fun. It benefits having experience with other wuxia movies so if you've seen a lot of wuxia you'll probably enjoy this more than if it's like your first introduction to to anything like this kind of a genre so i think uh i I would say you know maybe if you haven't seen many films like this get a few under your belt first and then see this one and it might you know you might appreciate it a little bit more but uh but it's definitely a fun film i think it's uh, and it's the kind of movie I could see kids liking this movie too because of the the main character. I think it would be an, a movie if you if you if if you if you have family members that you have to entertain as well. This might be one that you could probably get away with watching. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I w- I would say uh, check it out. And it's available on Amazon Prime. Um, again, we're trying to watch a lot that are on Prime so that we can have people listening to this and view them on Prime. Every once in a while, we'll. You know, we'll watch ones that are, you're not going to be able to find there. But uh, but generally, we're trying to make these easy for people to watch. And so, um, so yeah, so we'll be on next week. We don't know what movie we're going to do yet, but we will be back on. And uh, me and Adam are going to be on tomorrow 
uh, at the time that we would normally be doing the Wuxia uh, podcast to talk about Babylon 5. So uh, we will uh, be back next week and we will talk to you later.